0: The book of Hebrews and chapter 1, there are only 14 verses and I'd like to read them to you. In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, and through whom also he made the universe. The Son is the radiance of God's glory, and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. After he had provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. So he became as much superior to the angels as the name he has inherited is superior to theirs. For to which the angels did God ever say, you are my son, today I have become your father. Or again, I will be his father and he will be my son. And again, when when God brings his firstborn into the world, he says, let all God's angels worship him. In speaking of the angels, he says, he makes his angels spirits and his servants flames of fire. But about the son, he says... Your throne, O God, will last forever and ever. A scepter of justice will be the scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has set you above your companions by anointing you with the oil of joy. He also says, In the beginning, Lord, you laid the foundations of the earth, and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you remain they will all wear out like a garment. You will roll them up like a robe, like a garment. They will, uh, they will be changed, but you will remain the same and your years will never end. To which of the angels did God ever say, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool at your feet? Are not all angels ministering spirits sent to serve those who will inherit salvation? There is a powerful bunch of stuff in there about Jesus. In the church that I was in before I went to Bible college, and that was a long time ago, back in the 1980s. There's not many in this room who were back then, were there? Back in the 1980s, there was a... Part of the life of that church, there was a deaf ministry. And at a church service over in one side of the church in the front, all the deaf people would sit and uh, Jan, who, was, who was, uh, whose husband was the pastor of the church, she uh, could sign. And so she would sign the whole service, including the sermons and the songs, and, and the people would sign with her. It was, it was really dynamic watching them uh, signing everything and, and um, praising God together and laughing and having an awesome time listening to the signs. I, um, I tried it out and thought I'd learn a few of the signs. I only remember what, about one, and that's thank you. And uh, and you can pick them up, like when they talk about Jesus. Uh, you can pick bits and pieces up, but I didn't follow through with it. But when I thought about it, uh, if I had had some of my family who were deaf, then I wouldn't necessarily want to learn signs for the reason that I wanted to impress upon them how much they are loved and how valuable they are and really impress upon them how much God loves them. I would need to and I would want to learn that sign language so that I could care for them. And, and learning the sign language wouldn't be a burden to me if it was done for that purpose, but it would be an expression of my love for them. When I watch people, I don't know how, how often you've watched people communicate, deaf people communicate with each other by sign language, um, but when I do see that and when I watch that in the, in the church, I'd reflect upon the significance of what God has done for us. For you see, I saw in that experience that there was a living parable in watching them in their, um, in their expression. See, we're here on earth, busy living our lives, pursuing our dreams, uh, doing whatever it is that we're doing, uh, pursuing our own agendas, but often in the middle of all that busyness, we're deaf to God's voice. We're deaf to listen or to hear what he would have to say to us. We We don't hear what he's trying to say in the busyness of our world. God has been trying to communicate his message to us and we're just—we, the world just doesn't get it. But rather than give up in frustration, God loves us so much and so desperately that he wants to reveal himself in ways that we can understand. So he sends his very own son, who we read about in Hebrews 1, he sends his own son to communicate his message to us in a way that we can understand, and that's the miracle of Christmas. We're doing this little series of Advent, and uh, in the morning, they've got two weeks left of it. You guys, this is it, Uh, so we better make it good. But in the morning last week, I spoke about the miracle of the moment. At the very right time, God sent his son, and today is about the miracle of the message And I hope my little buzzer works. No. Can you flick that to the... Yeah, that's it. There's a miracle of a message here that we see in Christmas. The message of Jesus. See, Advent means then anticipation or expectation. The anticipation or expectation of the arrival The arrival of Jesus, and when we think about Christmas, it's the remembrance of the arrival of Jesus on this earth. But it's more than just having expectation and anticipation of Christmas, it's an anticipation and expectation of Jesus encountering our lives every day. For Jesus wants to speak, and he does speak to us every day. And he wants to not only just speak to us, he wants to um, commune with us and be intimate with us every day. And so Advent is not just about Christmas, it's about every day. And not only that, but Advent is about the anticipation and the expectation that Jesus is going to be coming back again. He is is going to arrive with glory and majesty and he will fulfil the time that we're in and fulfil all of creation, and bring it all to completion. And so Advent is just as much about that. I love Advent. Today, we're, as we focus on this, I'm going to use a clip in a minute from a famous um, Christmas movie. And this Christmas movie was has been done twice, I think, back in the 50s, and then in 1994... What year were you born, Josh? So you were minus six when this movie was made. It's called The Miracle on 34th Street. And um, it's just to help, uh, help us understand this miracle of Christmas. And it's just a clip. And it, when you watch the clip, notice that Chris Kringle, who's played by Richard Attenborough, is with a little girl. And he interacts with this little girl in the department store because he is Santa and she has come to see Santa. And the, the whole plot of the, the or part of the plot of the movie is that the one of the executives, Mrs. Walker, part of the Coles um, department store, she has told her little daughter that Santa's not real or that he's dead or he's just not real. And um, so Santa, Chris Kringle, wants to... Teach her that he is real. This is part of the plot of the story. And she witnesses Chris communicating with this little girl in a way that this only this little girl could understand. So let's play that. I love that clip. The clip of him connecting with this little deaf girl in a way that she understands. Did you see the miracle of the message? you see it? That Chris Kringle connects and he's able to speak her language. Hebrews 1, 1 to 2, we read it before, but let's hear it again. In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed heir of all things and through whom also he made the universe. God sent Jesus to communicate his message in a way that we can understand. He came so that we can meet him face to face. He came so that God wouldn't be just this distant thing or person or force or energy or something away from us that we could never connect with but he came so that we could see him face to face and that he would communicate his message with us and not only just to communicate his message but Jesus was the is the message he is the message for us that's why i love advent that's why i love this and i love that clip because Richard Attenborough is a great actor. And just the way that he connected with that little girl, I use that to imagine what is it that God wants to do with us as he connects with us. That that little girl just wanted to come and see Santa and just look at him. But yet Santa wasn't just going to leave it at that, he was going to reach out and speak to her in a way that she would understand. And God isn't that one that we just look at and think, oh, isn't he magnificent, but there's no connection. No, he sends his son so that we would have connection with him and he would speak to us in ways we understand. And we see in our our, uh, verses today that there are three things I'd just like to briefly cover. Firstly, God speaks through history. He's been speaking through history to reveal himself to us. If we look back, we can see his work throughout history so that with the purpose that he wants to reveal to us that he loves us. He wants us to come to love him and to worship him and to connect back with him. God reveals himself through creation. Through the sunset, through the sunrise, through the bush, through the moon and the stars, and particularly now when we have Hubble telescopes and things and we can uh, access the deeper parts of the universe and see how vast it is, we can see the creative hand of God through it all. And that's what he wants to uh, to show us. He spoke to Moses in the burning bush. He spoke to Noah as he said, I want you to build an ark. Excuse me a minute. This is bugging me. He he spoke to the Israelites through the smoke and the fire and the mountain. He spoke to Elijah in a still small voice. He spoke to Isaiah in the vision in the temple. He spoke to Jeremiah. He spoke to... uh, Hosea through his family circumstances and through Amos through in the illustration of basket of fruit and in Jeremiah he spoke to him like the, with the potter and the clay he speaks to all of these guys including uh, Joseph in his dreams God even spoke his message through a donkey don't compare God has even been speaking his message through, through visions and dreams, through, through angels, through symbols, through natural events and many other, other means. He could reveal himself in, in places like Ur of the Chaldees when he spoke to Abram or in Haran or in Egypt or in Canaan or in Babylon. He would speak to people. And he has been speaking through the ages. There's no lack of variety to God's revelation when he speaks to people. And I love this about God because he's not this stock standard, this is the way we speak to people, this robotic thing or robotic way, but he speaks to us in various different ways. For if, we, if he did it in the stock standard way, we'd be able to predict it. But God's not predictable. And I love that about God because he does things specially. He speaks to us according to our personalities. He speaks to us according to our calls and our giftings. He speaks to a a church community in a way that he has put his thumbprint on that, like this place. And he might speak differently through this church than he speaks in another local church. He speaks in various and variety of ways. And don't you love that about him? I do. He's not monotonous and boring. That's really awesome. God has been speaking throughout history in order to make himself known. Prior to Jesus coming from Malachi to Matthew, there was a period of 400 years when God went silent, or it appeared that he went silent. There were no prophets, there was no uh, means by which he was really speaking overtly to the nation of Israel. And um, It was Malachi who uttered the last messages from him and there'd there'd be no prophets since him until John the Baptist arrived when he was the forerunner to Jesus. And God's revelations in the Old Testament weren't always linked. They were a little bit fragmented, they were a little bit occasional and they were progressive because no single one of them contained the whole truth you see they they could not adequately capture the full picture of God's nature god had been speaking but the people hadn't been listening we see that in the history of the israelites and we see it sometimes in our own history you see what happened was that they didn't understand god's heart until he revealed fully he, the, the one that was to come, Jesus, they didn't really understand his, fully understand his heart. They didn't fully understand his, pro, his plan. And too many claimed to be speaking for God, but they only misrepresented him to others. Confusion, not understanding, had resulted. So God sends Jesus and he speaks through Christ. Christ. At last, at last, the sun comes. The sun comes to bring the message. His son comes to bring that which God wants to reveal to, directly to us, not through necessarily a prophet. Yes, through his word. Yes, he speaks through his word. But he comes as a man to speak to us directly into our situation so that we could be like that little girl that gets up on Santa's knee and wants to see him face to face. And Jesus comes so that we can get up on his knee, as it were, in in the picture language, so that we can see him face to face and he can speak to us in ways that we understand. I love this picture of Jesus. Yes, it's it's true that God revealed himself through the words spoken by Jesus, by his message, but he did more than that. Jesus Christ is the living, divine son of God. He, He did more than just proclaim God's message. As I said before, he is God's message. And he is God's message today. And he is God's message into our hearts. And he is God's message to the world. When our world is seemingly falling to pieces and 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 marching away from God, Jesus is still that message, and we stand in a place, not in a prideful place, but we stand in a in a privileged place that when the world is saying, where are all the answers? How do we get ourselves out of this mess? Then it is that we can be there with the light of Jesus, and we are the mess, the, the the personification of the message of Jesus because Christ is in us, the hope of glory. And we can bring that message to people and show them light because Jesus wants to meet them face to face. Jesus wants to be that one that says, I'm going to communicate with you in a way that you understand. Just like that little girl. And I love watching her face and the brightness of her face as she sees that language that she understands. And that's like the encounter that we have when Jesus meets us face to face, that revelation of who he is. The miracle of the message is that God was in Christ and he came to speak to us. In verse 3, we haven't got it on this one. I did it this morning, but then it just jumped off. Um, sorry, guys. In verse three of that uh, Hebrews one, it says, "The Son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact expression of His nature, sustaining all things by His powerful word. After making purification for sins, He sat down at the right hand of the Majesty on high." John's Gospel, as it says up here in the next lot, uh, next slide, describes Jesus as the Word becoming flesh and living amongst us. If you want to know what God is like, look at Jesus. That's what God is like, because he is God. When Philip asked Jesus to show them the Father, he replied in, in John 14, 9, Don't you know me, Philip, even after I have been among you for such a long time? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. And even four, verse, four chapters earlier, he'd already said I and the Father are one. We are one essence. We are God together, Father and I. That's who I am. If you want to see God the Father, look at me. Not only does God speak in history, and he continues to speak today, not only did he come to speak to us through Jesus' coming, but he he speaks to transform us. And this is the last point. He speaks to transform. The miracle of the Christmas message is not just in the fact that God speaks to us today through his son, but that the message has the power to transform our lives, to change us. And he does. If you get to hang around with people long enough who are on their journey toward God, and I get, and when you're in a position like mine, I get to, to hang around with people and watch their journey... And see them being transformed and sometimes transformed in front of my face as God reveals something to them. It's such a joy to watch it and it's the evidence of how God speaks into someone's life and transforms them. And Christmas is the celebration of the greatest message ever proclaimed that God is with us. Emmanuel, Jesus came to be with us. He came near that so that we could draw near to him. So that we could get up on his lap so that we could look in his face, so that we could connect with him personally. For 1 Timothy 2.6 says this, that Jesus gave his life as a ransom for all and the miracle of the message is that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. Where we were once far away, he came and drew us back to be near. And this is the miracle of the message of Christmas. This is the Advent message. Not just that we're waiting for something in the future, some uh, thing that might come, but that Jesus has come near, that God has come near, and that when we receive him, hey Rick, um, that he comes to dwell within us and he draws us near to him. And we get up on his lap and we get to look at him and he speaks to us. It's that expectation and the anticipation of God speaking to us every day, of encountering us and having experience with us and us experiencing him. This is the dynamism of the relationship that he invites us into. It's the relationship of God. I love that. Jesus came to proclaim God's message that we can be set free. Set free from the hold of sin on our lives. Set free from that distance that separated us from him. He came to give us the freedom to be coming near. Why would he do it? Why? Because he wanted us to know how very much he loves us. He wanted us to know that he created us for a reason, that we might know and love him, that we might worship him, that we might have fellowship with him, and that we might together, as his people, do it together. (laughs) He came to proclaim the message that we have been set free. He came to bring us into that place of freedom. We don't have to live as prisoners of guilt and regret anymore. We have been set free. As we finish, let me ask you this. What messages have you received in this past year? I've been with people who have received the message that, as the doctor told them, that they have cancer. I have been with people whose partners or spouses have said, I want a divorce. I've been with people who have said that their teenager is now pregnant, unexpectedly. I've been with people who have been given messages that have completely changed their lives. And sometimes for the for the worse. I've been with people who have struggled through the through the uh, suicide of their loved one, or with the people who whose loved one just didn't wake up the next morning. Those messages. What messages have you received this year? Is it the message that someone has died? Is it the message that your dreams have been smashed? Is it the message that things didn't turn out the way you expected them to turn out? They may have too been messages of joy and celebration like twins being born and a grandpa getting quite excited about that. Describing myself as a grandpa is a really funny thing to do, I tell you. But in the midst of all of the messages that we receive, there is another message. No, nothing whatsoever can separate you from God's love. Nothing. Nothing. Principalities or powers. Nothing. Things in heaven, things on the earth, things anywhere. Nothing can separate you from God's love. He, sees, he says, trust in me with all of your heart and lean not unto your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge me and I will direct your paths. In the midst of life's betrayals and bitter messages, he whispers, forgive those who mistreat you. Love those who don't love you. Love those who hate you. In the midst of life's messages of joy and celebration, he shouts, Rejoice and be exceedingly glad. The miracle of Christmas is the miracle of its message. God loves you and me so much that he sent his son so that we could climb on his knee, so that we could look full in his wonderful face. And remember that old song, Turn your eyes. Upon Jesus, look full in his wonderful face, and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Are you listening to his message? Or was it like when you saw that first clip before I began this message tonight of a guy doing uh, Christian or Bible verses and stuff by sign language and you didn't have a clue what he was saying? Is it sometimes that God speaks and we're the deaf people that aren't listening? Is it that we are so wrapped up in the busyness and the activity of our lives and the messages that have been bombarded into us from the world that we don't listen to what God would say? This Advent season is the time to listen to his message. It's to listen to what he would have to say to you. For Advent is about anticipating and expecting Not just the fact that Jesus was born, but anticipating and expecting that he's coming again and anticipating and expecting his full participation in our lives every day. And as we finish, let me read these couple of verses from Hebrews again, those ones that God says to us, I didn't speak about the angels in this way, but about my son, I say this. And this is what we look forward to in anticipation. That your throne, O God, Jesus, your throne will last forever and ever. A scepter of justice will be the scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, God, your God has set you above your companions by anointing you with the oil of joy. He also says in the beginning, Lord, you laid the foundations of the earth and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you remain. They will wear out like a garment, but you will roll them up like a robe, like a garment, they will be changed, but you remain the same and your years will never end. This is the one whom we anticipate. This is the one who we expect. This is the one with whom we will spend eternity. This is the one who on who on, uh, who on the throne of God will be there. He sits at the right hand of the throne of God now. He has accomplished that which he came to do, dying on a, a cross, his blood shed for us, dying and rising again so that we will be with him forever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever where there's no more pain, no more of those messages of divorce or cancer, no more messages of sin Sickness and fear. No more messages of destruction, but there will only be messages of fulfillment and completion when He completes uh, creation entirely and draws us into that full communion with Him. You reckon I get excited about that? That's what Advent's about. That's the miracle of the message of Christmas. Let's pray. Lord God, so often we don't listen to your message. So often we are deaf. So often we are consumed with ourselves or we are consumed with the tragedy of life or we are consumed by what's going on around us and your voice disappears but tonight as we remember this season of advent we want to have that image like that movie image in our minds that Jesus you call us up to that place of intimacy with us so that we can see you face to face and that you can speak to our lives in a way that only we can understand That you speak into the depths of our being and bring healing and bring wholeness and bring completion. That you bring freedom from sin and freedom from prison and freedom from all that which binds us. That's your message to us. Thank you, Jesus, that you came. That you didn't hold back But you gave everything for us, so that we might hear your voice, that we might know you face to face.